This podcast is scheduled for 10 questions. Fighting out of New York. Standing at 5 feet 11 inches tall. And wearing the red, white, and blue trunks. Presenting Kyle Brands. Yeah. Thank you, Bruce Buffer. Another episode of 10 questions and this one is going to be incredible i promise if you haven't heard before we don't have guests on this show we have contestants every single contestant leaves with a score one through ten i will ask them 10 questions somehow connected to their life their career they try to get it right and do the best they can if they get the answer right they hear a sound that sounds a lot like this okay if they don't they're going to hear this very sad sound. It's a terrible sound. Now, to give today's contestant a little context, let's play a little riff of some of the contestants we've had before then, some of the athletes, some of the actors. Here are prior contestants on 10 Questions. I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I got six out of 10. Hi, I'm Paul Rudd, and I got a seven out of 10. I'm Joel McHale, and I got an eight out of 10 because I have not seen the movie Stuck on You. Yo, 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 McConaughey here. I just got my seven out of 10. So, yo, 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 McConaughey got a seven out of 10. Let's see what this gentleman does. Here we go, hit the intro sequence. Here's what you need to know about today's contestants. Dionysus is his favorite Greek god. It's god of wine. He once worked at a Renaissance fair. British comedy is his shite. That's his shite and he has a great new project. It is called The History of Sketch Comedy. It is an amazing deep dive on everything that's ever been funny in the, since the dawn of man. It is a podcast available exclusively on Audible, and I think it is really cool that he made it with his wife. Ladies and gentlemen, actor, writer, and producer, Keegan Michael Key, welcome to 10 Questions. All right, all right, all right. I, I still got the McConaughey going. <laughs> I'm good. doing the McConaughey. Oh, um, my gosh. How are you, man? I'm good, Kyle. Good to see you, man. It's good to see you, this too. This is exciting. I, do you know what you're in for? I don't this? know. I know. I know. Okay. I feel like I'm going to, uh, it's going to be a brain teaser today. I'm going to tickle yeah. the cerebellum a little bit and see if I can uh, answer some questions. I do know that much. I like that you don't have guests. You have contestants. That's, That's good. That's what you are, my it's friend. A, yeah, it's a very you are active, an active, an active day. Keegan Michael Key, we're going to get to the first question. We're going to start the 10 questions. Before we do, I want you to know that should any of these questions stump you and you just have yeah. no idea, you do have a very interesting lifeline. And oh. the lifeline is called Ask a Millennial. We have a real sentient breathing millennial standing by. Should you elect to ask a millennial, he will come in and try to help you answer the question. I, 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 I'm going to say to myself that hope springs eternal and that I won't need to ask a millennial for help. The fact that you even said that gave yes. me heart palpitations. But the fact that he's sentient, hopefully that will be helpful to us. <laughs> or, or maybe, or, or let's, let's, just, let's just say I'm not going to need him. I'm just putting that out to the universe, that I won't need him. We will find out. No, we, we got we will 10 see. questions. Here comes number one with Keegan-Michael Key. Question number one, my man. Your category is classic films. Classic films. Here we go. In Taxi Driver... Jodie Foster's character, Iris, has what occupation? Uh, Jodie uh, Jody Foster's character, Iris, is a prostitute. 
Um, wow. Yes, she is he a streetwalker. Street uh, she was, I think, 12 years old in that time. Could yeah. it be right? Is I, is the answer prostitute? Yes! Yeah! We are one out of one. Yes, you're doing the air guitar. One out of one. Why would I start our relationship and our and our game here with a question about prostitution? A very prurient question about underage prostitution. Yes, yes. Yes. All the stuff you've done, uh, the movies and Broadway and Key and Peel, all of this great career you've built as a producer and an actor, in a way, it has origins in your early exposure to prostitutes. How and why? Great job. That is a deep dive. Welcome Holy to 10 Questions. Mackerel. I, Els, that's amazing. It comes from, the origin is that there was a field at the end of my block as a kid growing up in Detroit on Woodstock Drive. And it was on the border of Woodward Avenue, which was our major north-south thoroughfare, and a street that most people have heard of called Eight Mile Road. Sure. And there was a big field where we played football, soccer, baseball, lacrosse. And oftentimes when I was in the outfield, on the streets uh, 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 that bordered the outfield, there were prostitutes, or as I like to say, women of negotiable affections. And they would coach me or cheer me on while I was playing. I mean, literally, they'd be standing on the corner going, all right, baby, you're doing good, baby. You you know what you should do? Play in a little bit, because he can't hit for power. Don't worry (laughs) about him. I would, you know, and I don't even understand why you in the outfield. You should be in the infield playing shortstop. Get just get a little ball. Shoot, hit over here to the hot corner. You could throw it over and over the first because you an athlete. Evangeline, ain't that little boy an athlete? Look at him with his little long range of legs. Now you go in there. No, I'm telling you, but play in a little bit. Play shallow because you ain't worried about that little boy. He a pipsqueak. Was that girl? I can't tell with them haircuts because you know back then everybody had those Peggy Fleming haircuts. Sure. Nobody know. Yeah, nobody, nobody knew what's going on. So we're. <laughs> So if, let's say let's say you're playing left field and there's a base hit. You scoop it up and you buzz it to home plate and throw out the runner at home. What is the commentary from beyond the outfield? All right, baby, you got it. He says she out. She she out. She out. She, I don't know. That's come on. She is out. You out, baby, just like me. <laughs> Whatever that means. So that would be the commentary. It would be like this. So how did that? How do you think that played into it then? Because you do the voices, you do the characters. Did the, your wheels start turning in the outfield those days? They're like, man, this is a great character. I was a bit of a sponge because here's the thing that happened. I I, I didn't know that what I do for a living, or I should say a part of what I do for a living, was something you could do for a job. I think I just thought when I was 12 or 13, I was watching mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live and I'm watching Joe Piscopo and Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Eddie Murphy. When I was watching those guys, I just thought, I guess they go someplace and just have fun and it's on yeah. TV and that's awesome. I wasn't aware that they were paid for it or there was a craft to it yet, but I wanted to emulate Eddie Murphy kind of more than anything in the world. And so I didn't know what else to do other than to become a sponge and start to absorb people's characteristics. And, and then you take your material to school. You take your material to middle school and try to try it out on folks and see who's, who, who likes what. You, you, you impersonate your teachers. You know, that whole thing. I was one of those kids who was trying to find that material and, the, and you find it from what you know. And it was, it was the prostitutes on Woodward Avenue. <laughs> it's so good. And it's exactly the kind of thing that you put in the, the history of sketch comedy. Yeah. Just joke after joke, story after story. We are one question in, my friend, and you are one for one. One, one point. for one. It's the hardest one to get, but we go now to question two. And this is funny. We're going to go from the outfield in Detroit to you 
hosting NFL honors the night before the Super Bowl. This ah. category is finish your joke. I don't know how much of you will you retain of your own material, but what we're gonna do here is I'm gonna play you at NFL honors. This I'm gonna play tough. the setup to the joke. You're gonna hear yourself, it's gonna stop, and you need to hit the punchline, your own punchline. Are you I, ready? I think I'm ready, and I can't ask Elle. I no, 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 you, unless, no. She, you know why? You know why? Because she wrote the joke. So I, I definitely can't ask <laughs> Cheating. her. Cheating, absolutely not. You can ask a millennial, I, you, but you I, cannot ask Elle. So I can ask a millennial, but I can't ask the head writer of the NFL honors that year. Absolutely yes. Okay. Here we All go. Right. Okay. Finish right. this joke. It's also really great to be here in Houston, Texas, home of the eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome, right? Yeah. And also the ninth wonder of the world. Finish the joke. And also the ninth, it's good here to be, the eighth wonder of the world, the Houston Astrodome, and also the ninth wonder of the world, Kyle. Yeah. I'm looking off camera. I can't even cheat right now. You don't neither of us nothing. remember of us. Neither of us remember the punchline. You know what? It's funny because the, it's very oh. dated. It was perfect that night. And I think like an hour after you said it, it was out of date. It, it was, was out of date. Perfect. Because this this joke, I'm like, oh my God, this is why I pulled it. Because I had forgotten about this entire punchline ah. as it existed. Gotcha, gotcha. So do you want to work through it? Or I mean, do you want to ask a millennial? Let, let, okay, you know what? I want to shoot for the stars and try to get 10 out of 10. And okay. I definitely don't know this one. Okay. If we work through it, I don't get credit though, right? If you ask a millennial, he gives you the answer. Absolutely, you get credit. Yes, okay. that's your lifeline. Okay, that, that, we can work through it with the millennial. Okay, yes. let me try to work. I'm going, I'm, I'm question two. I'm asking a millennial. That's okay. Let's bring in the millennial. This is a 26-year-old white man in Los Angeles <laughs> named Richie. Richie. Say hello to Keegan Michael Key. Hi, Richie. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's okay. Pleasure to meet try you. to help you. Here okay. we go, gentlemen. 30 seconds on the clock. You heard the setup to the joke. It was Houston is home to the eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome. It's also home to the ninth wonder of the world. 30 seconds, go. I I hate to tell you off top. I don't know, but I'm trying to think. At that time, so that's four years ago, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's four years ago. The ninth wonder of the world, I would say something about, it, it might have been about somebody's appearance or a person. It's about a person. Who was big in Houston four years Who ago? Who was big in Houston? Uh, it's something about uh, Ludacris or the Dirty South or something like that. <laughs> Richie James, Harden, like a, James Harden? James Harden. James Harden. Almost beard. out of time. James Harden. Okay, I need an answer. James Richie, Harden. you offered almost no help unless it's James Harden. <laughs> unless it's James is Harden or James Harden's beard. Is it James Harden? It's not James Harden. Oh, All right, Rich. now, Richie, I want, to, want you to stay here before I dispatch you back to your, your uh, vape pen and your EDM music. <laughs> what is the answer? He said the eighth wonder was the Astrodome. Not to be used to the ninth wonder of the world, which was? Also the ninth wonder of the world, Brock Osweiler's contract. So. Oh, God, no way I was getting that. <laughs> Brock, Brock Osweiler's, Osweiler's contract. contract. That's right. <laughs> That's all right. And they laughed. They did. Oh, they it was, got, a, it was a good joke. Good topical joke. It was a very good topical joke. I'm sorry to let you down. Oh, but Richie, did terribly. Richie, that was a tough one. Get out of here. Oh, See boy. ya. Bye. All right. So <laughs> Brock Osweiler's contract did not happen. I don't, Brock Osweiler was not in the league anymore, He's but that night he yeah. was big. What do you remember about that gig? You, it's basically, if no one knows, it's like the the Oscars for the NFL. What do you remember? Yeah. You were the host. I remember, I remember seeing 
Charles Woodson backstage mm-hmm. and having an opportunity to tell him how much I love him is because he went to U of M and I'm from, I'm from Detroit, sure. but also to let him know that he, bet- uh, it was um, DeBrickashaw Ferguson and, and Charles Woodson were both of the inspirations for the East West Bowl sketch for Key and Peele yeah. because, and I explained it to him, I said, you were the first person I ever saw mess with um, Monday night intros. Or, or mess with intros. He was the first person. Was a, they were they said, now, ladies and gentlemen, for the Oakland Raiders defense, and they're going person by person yeah. by person, and they get to Charles, and Charles he goes, uh, Charles Woodson, safety, you know the school, ah. <laughs> and he said, you know the school, and I I, I was I, I told Jordan that, yeah. and then uh, Jordan wrote the entire East West Bowl script with all those crazy names based. And we were, and we're saying, let's use the framing of when they do the player introductions for Monday night football. And it was Charles Woodson that sparked in my mind that made me think to use that format. You're sitting there on the couch, you're watching the Monday night game. The Raiders are playing it. And all he says is, you know, the school, which is so funny and so badass. Yeah, and you just, you text Jordan right away. It was, it, it, it had happened years before oh, it had yeah. happened years before. And so Jordan said to me, he said, because Jordan played a lot of Madden. Here's the funny thing. Wasn't, okay. an, wasn't a football fan at the time, but played a ton of Madden. Yeah. And one day we're at, we were working on the pilot of the show. And Jordan goes, Keegan, man, do you know that there is a player who, uh, who plays football for the New York Jets named DeBrickashaw Ferguson? I said, oh, Jordan, buddy, that's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, have, do you know what the SEC is? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna open you up to a world of names, yeah, and yeah. that was where the original kernel of the idea came from. And then I said, and, and then I thought of Charles Woodson. I had watched the game where Charles did that like two, yeah. three, four yeah. years prior, and I uh, maybe more. And I remember going, "There's a guy named Charles Woodson." I explained it to Jordan, and Charles said, "What's how does the format work?" And I explained him how they did the intro, and that's what, how how that sketch came to me. Oh, that's so good. That's the, it, it, that's one of the big things I remember from that NFL honors. Yeah. And Charles Wilson was an ascot. I mean, he's like the only guy in the world where he's an ascot. And he can pull it off. Pulls it off. <laughs> it looks like cool. Captain Dapper. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Dap- Dapper Woodson is what I call him. Um, that's the one big th- one of the big things I remember about that. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. It, it, it brings me, I, I have to go on to question three because it's the perfect segue. Yeah. You're one for two. And this is, we're going to bring this thing all together. Question number three. Your category is, which name is real? Which name? Oh, here we go. You're an expert in this. I know you are. I'm going to try to stump you. Is the multiple choice question. I'm going to read you three names. Three names. One of them is a real football player. Yep. Two of them I made up. Yep. Which is the real football player? Is it A, Demolition Smithers, B, Picasso Nelson Jr., or C, Hound Dog Slipson? Which is the real player? Demolition Smithers, Picasso Nelson Jr., or Hound Dog Slipson? Okay. I'm just going to go with my gut because I had a spark. And my spark is telling me that it is Picasso Nelson Jr. He says Picasso Nelson Jr. is the real player. Is he right? You're right. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) You are good at that. I was good. This is, this, uh, uh, Kyle. Yes. You're right. It's something that I I never thought. If if I had gone to a time machine and went back 15 years, I'm not going to go, you're going to study interesting and esoteric names <laughs> in the African-American community. Yeah. That was not something I ever thought I was going to become uh, 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 an ardent fan of. But uh, yes, it's something I you enjoy. Are, yeah. It's Picasso yeah. Nelson Jr. He's a DB from Southern Miss with the Southern. Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, 
His father, Picasso Nelson Sr., also played in the NFL. You mentioned the, the East-West Bowl. The, it's, it's, it's something that's still hilarious to this day. Who knew that Charles Woodson inspired it? Yeah. You said that Jordan wrote all the names. So you guys didn't get in a room and start bouncing around. He just started banging them out? I was sitting in the office. He came into the office one day and handed me the script. Oh, I added one name. I added Which one name. One? Do you remember? I, uh, yes, I do. I said, oh, oh, we have to have a white guy. And his name has to be Dan Smith or Bill Smith or John Smith. And, 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 I, and then I said, oh, and he has to go to uh, Brigham Young University. That was the, <laughs> but I mean, he just went, hey, Keeg, hey, yeah, just um, you know, take a look. And I was, I, I, I was like, what did you do this? He goes, oh, I was kind of kicking around last night. You were kind of kicking it around last night? <laughs> you run, Le Carpetron Duke Marriott? Like, it's like, where did you come up with these names? Jack Marius Tactheratrix? It's it my favorite one. Shakira yeah. Kwan, TJF Carter is another one. Amazing. That's him yeah. in his room just banging him out. Just banging him out. Just at his house. And because he, he's a wordsmith. He loves sounds and words. And that was that was right up his alley. And he just wrote the whole thing and brought it to me. It was amazing. You know, in, in another hundred years, when one of your ancestors does the history of sketch comedy as a follow-up, <laughs> and they're looking back, yeah. will they... What are they going to think about the names of this era of the of the 21st century? Because there's, I mean, what are they going to think of the Xanders and the Tristans, like the real p- things that we name people right now? I think it's interesting because I I, I feel like um, I always try to th- I think about a thousand or two thousand years ago that there was somebody named Akhmatamun or <laughs> you know Tutankhamun, and you're yeah. just going, I mean, are we any better off or worse off than those guys? But it's weird because it, I know what they'll think. They'll probably think 100 or 200 years from now that everybody was English. I feel like there's going to be a piece of history that gets lost and they're going to, they're going to think that the English empire lasted for 400 years. They're going to go because everybody has English names, (laughs) Chester, Tristan, Clarence, uh, 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 what was the other thing? Uh, Tris, um, Christian, like all these, they're very like, they're very Anglo, uh, Anglo centric names. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny you say that about the Dan Smith BYU because that sketch, in my opinion, it's just it's hitting home run after home run, and it could have just ended, and that's it. We say all the funny names, but it's got this anchor on it where when you think it's over, you see the white guy saying Dan Smith BYU. I wonder, do you run into that a lot? Where like, how do we land this plane? Like we yeah. we know we have a great sketch, we have to have some sort of punctuation on it. How the hell do we 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 love the plane? How do we land it? The so so in the business, it's called a button or a blow. Yeah. And and what's so difficult is people sometimes try to think outside of the box to find the blow. The funny thing about improv, somebody described this to me years and years ago. There was a there's a, a, a improv guru by the name of Keith Johnstone. He's an old British man who lives in Calgary, Alberta, and uh, worked at the Royal Court Theater when he was a young man in the 50s. And I am a, 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 ver- a voracious reader of his texts and books. And he wrote a book, a, a very seminal book uh, in our art form and improvisation called Impro. And in the book, he describes uh, um, improvisation or thinking or writing. It's not forward. We don't mm-hmm. think forward. What we do, it's actually like standing in a room, Kyle, and walking backward. So everything you see, it reveals itself to you. And as you w- walk backward, more things reveal themselves to you, but you still remember what you saw first. It's still in the picture. Like so the what who's ha- and what's? The who's and what? Yes, like the who, what, and the where. So uh, what we often do is you try. We didn't go out of the world of college football. We just delved deeper into the world of college football. We've been doing this the whole time. 
So what's another thing in college football that we can do that's the opposite? Don't go away from the subject matter. Dig deeper into the subject matter. So all you have to do is find the opposite. People go, well, if I'm going to look for the opposite of something, I need to look out here. No, no. Yeah. The opposite's there. The One of the funniest sketches Jordan ever did, the funniest thing I've ever seen Jordan, we, t- we were playing Celebrity. And we're and we're winning, and it's the boys versus the girls, and we're winning. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, he was in Taxi Driver. And he goes, uh, uh, Robert De Niro, and I go, uh, 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 I'll be back. Oh, wow, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I go, oh, oh this guy, uh, 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 he uh, he really gay, but he pretended he's straight. Me, <laughs> and then I go, uh, no, no, it's not, it's not you, it's not you. And he goes, uh, I, I go, no, he's, uh, he's a Latin pop star. And he goes, me, I'm not a Latin pop star. No, you're not. It's not you. And then I go, he bangs, he bangs. And and he goes, he's living La Vida Loca. He's living La Vida Loca. And then Jordan goes, Jordan goes, Jordan goes, uh, oh, Ricky Martin. And then he goes like, and then he does this, Kyle. And then he goes, goes, oh, man. And I put that one in there, too. (laughs) But see, that's not, that that response makes sense within the world. He didn't go outside of the world. And as comedians, we're trained uh, wait, this is something you said earlier. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be this guy, but I'm being this guy. Do it. Way back when. It's something we talk about in history of sketch comedy, too. Yeah. Aristophanes, who was one of the first playwrights of the world. He's like the first. He was, the, he was Neil Simon 2,000 years before Neil sure. Simon. Aristophanes said, and uh, or, not sorry, Aristotle it wrote a book called The Poetics. And in The Poetics, he said, in drama, the, way you, the, the best thing when you end something, it has to be inevitable and unexpected at the same time, inevitable and unexpected. So that's how we land the plane. I'm always thinking, okay, so what would, what could logically happen within the world of this scene, show, movie, or sketch? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, well, that's how we get there. It's a very academic way of saying it, but that's how we do it. That's no, but I know do. that's how you work. And that's what you get, some of the stuff you get into in the history of sketch comedy. There's yeah. a lot of funny shit in it, but it's also the mechanics behind it are fascinating. Yeah. We're getting to question number four. This is simple. Let's keep the comedy going. We are going to do a category called Name the Movie. All you're going to do is you're going to hear a clip from a movie. You might know it. You might not. If you can say the name of the movie, you get the point. Keegan-Michael Key, name the movie. I think I do remember hearing something on TV about colon cleansing. They say everyone should have one. I'm thinking about getting me an appointment and go down and getting my colon cleansed thoroughly. You want your colon clean? Fine, I'm going to clean mine. Yeah, now my colon is clean. I'm totally squeaky clean. <laughs> Uh, go on. That is The Nutty Professor, uh, starring Eddie Murphy, directed by Tom Shadiak, 1995. Ring him up. It is The Nutty Professor. <laughs> I like that Jigen was 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 miming the, the fart gesture that the man does at the table before the clip was <laughs> even going on. I'm going to clean my right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I ask you. That same dinner table scene, the mother that Eddie Murphy is playing starts going into the Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Hercules. You, in the history of sketch comedy, talk about Hercules. And you talk about all these uh, historic figures and how they pertain to comedy, how they relate to it. Take away what you, all the work that you and your wife, Elle, put in this. What is the funniest time in human history? Like, what is the best? What is the funniest time in human history? Um, the funny thing is, I, 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 you know what I'll do? I'll say this. Theoretically, that time of the Greeks... Um, or no, as, as, as there's a thing in the first chapter of the of history of sketch comedy where we talk yeah. about the first recorded joke that we have found that people the Sumerians, the Sumerians, right? Yeah. And it's and what's interesting, of course, here are the people that invented the wheel and writing 
and fart jokes. Like it's a <laughs> fart joke. You know what yeah. I mean? And what's interesting is I think things were probably funnier between that time and the Greeks because every joke was new. Anybody that made up a joke, you could make a joke out of anything because jo- they were they were a new, they, was, they were in this nascent stage. People had not known what humor was yet. And I think it, I think that's probably the funniest time. We see funny things happening now, but but um, to be able to create the um, uh, to create plots, cre- to, to, could you imagine discovering a punchline? No. Like what what is that? That makes it like a hundred times funnier. I, I, in my in my opinion, I mean now it's pretty funny. I mean you know, Will Ferrell. I mean, it's funny. I mean, I mean, I mean it's funny. It's funny. I, I, I see Will Ferrell do do Frank the Tank or run naked in old school. But then I also wonder, like, if you were in a firelit cave with the cavemen and someone just mm-hmm. like someone pissed on the other guy's foot and everybody started laughing, that must have been the funniest thing you've ever seen. It's it, because it literally was the funniest thing anybody <laughs> ever seen. Also, another funny thing would be any world that Rip Taylor is in. Sure. Ooh, Rip Taylor. Hello, yeah. confetti. <laughs> That guy, like, what was that guy's deal? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he just, like, th- th- that was a funny time, the late 60s and early 70s when yeah. they were doing variety shows. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get to that episode pretty soon. It's just, like, that people had gimmicks. Like, it, like nowadays, there's not as much gimmicks. It's kind of like, we, we have this kind of, the, the comedy's a little more ultra real. I think it's because of YouTube. So we have this, we have really funny comedies. Comedy's changed. We're in this Judd Apatow world yeah. where the comedy has to feel real in a mm-hmm. way. It can be heightened, but has to feel real. But back then, remember people would be like, Harpo Marx? Like, sure. With a wig and he's like, honky, honky, honky. Like, what? Bro, what, what? The Smothers Brothers? The Smothers just Brothers. Slid. Yeah. They're just sure. like, it's like, it's every era. But I think the, you have to go back, 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 back in time. to, Like you just said, it's like, that would have been the funniest thing anybody had ever seen. Like, what if somebody came out right now and like their gig was like, I'm going to do what Gallagher did. I'm just going to smash some watermelons and that's going to be my bit. Does that work now or does everything have to be brilliant? I think it does work on a super base level. I- yeah. I'll tell you why. Uh-huh. The the great DJ, Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki takes huge sheet cakes and he'll and people will he'll walk from behind the stage and take a sheet cake. Yep. And they'll, they'll just be a kid and he'll just slam the sheet cake in the kid's face. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the reason for it is necessarily. I don't know what the rationale is. But people laugh. But people laugh and they yep. lose their minds. I think if you went back to get, I think if somebody had a really distinct, defined thing that they do, it might actually bring us some kind of comfort. Because we're living in this kind of weird gray world right now. We don't know what the hell is going on from day to day. It might be neat to see someone come up like Gallagher again. You know, You're right. It but reminds came- me of the, the Harlem Globetrotters do the, this gag with the bucket where they think it's water, but it's confetti. confetti. It kills every time. It's killed for 70 years. It's killed for 70 years. It's killed for 700 years. I know. You're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's like that, that element of surprise, that thing, we think we're going down this path and then we go down that path. I mean, it, it's, it's, no, it's no wonder I'm a... I'm a I'm a, a Detroit Lions fan because comedy, Barry Sanders, well, the Lions, but Barry Sanders, I mean, Barry Sanders did physically what jokes do. It's like you're expecting this and then that happens and, and that it'll always be funny. It'll always right. be funny. And we will get to Barry Sanders shortly. First, uh, we're going to question number five. You are three out of four right now, my friend. You're doing really well. I'm feeling good uh, about it. Really good. You should. We're going to get to question five, which is pivotal. <laughs> Your category for question five is basketball. Mm-hmm. Here you go. 
1989, Dominique Wilkins starred in a commercial introducing what revolutionary Reebok basketball shoe? Uh, Dominique was in a commercial that introduced the um, the, the pumps, the Reebok pump. The pumps. The, the pump, the Reebok pump. Keegan-Michael Key says it's the Reebok pump. Is he right? You're on fire, dude. Oh, my God, Kyle. You got You're on fire. I, I thought I was down the wrong path on that one. <laughs> you were so sure. And yes. as we know, all of the questions have some sort of connective tissue to your life. Obviously, your connection to the pumps is the three pump, is the celebration. That's and the Kringleberry. Right. This thing has has legs. This thing will not end. You guys did Hingle McCringleberry years ago. And this season in 2020, NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers is doing it in the end zone. He's still doing it. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, give me the behind the music on that. This was, again, a scene that I think was born from Jordan Peele's uh, education and uh, initial elation of learning about football. I started kind of watching football with him and teaching him about football. And I, I, he knew, understood the rules of football. It's just, I wanted him to become a fan of the game. And he started to really become a fan of the game. And, and at a great time, at a time when Megatron was playing and, and, and Chris Johnson was playing and, and, and um, this really wonderful era. So he wrote this sketch about the three pumps. And I think he really wanted to play the referee really bad because he wanted us to have that good classic clown and straight man feel in that sketch. So he, he found this whole world to put around that great, uh, that great dynamic between the two of us. So it, the three pumps, uh, the three pumps was because again, in the rule of, in comedy rule of threes, you do, you have to do everything three, five, or seven times threes, threes, threes. And so the two pumps have to be this, this, the pause. And then it just gave me something to protest about. Man, what you talk? That was a, that was a double pump. I paused. I paused. <laughs> What's that? And then all the other guys that were out there with us that day were having a blast. And the other guys would run around Jordan like, what you doing, man? That was a double pump. He didn't even double pump, man. He did one, pause, another one, pause, triple one, pause. You can't even, he didn't even do two in a row. Come on, man. And then we'd all throw our hands up and run back to the line of scrimmage. And it was so much fun to do that one. It was, it was, he's, he's, He's so observant, Jordan. He's such an observant. I've always said about Jordan, Jordan's one of those guys where if you had a vase full of roses in front of you, everybody would go, God, look at those gorgeous roses. And Jordan would go, I wonder if that vase is made in Taiwan. Like, you know, <laughs> that's just how he thinks. It's just really fantastic. So that's that's where that was how that sketch came about. I think it's fascinating that these things are coming from Jordan's entry into football because His you entry, have the yeah. knowledge guy. You, it's like you almost have like, the Obi-Wan and the Luke, like, and you're the Obi-Wan, which yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you, it had a life of its own, that thing. And you got guys like Von Miller are doing it. Antonio Brown, years yeah. later, Aaron Rodgers. What, what did you think when they started doing it, took off in the league? Well, Lance Moore did it the first time when he was playing for the Saints. The Saints. And I remember yeah. Jordan and I were texting. I was uh, at home watching the game um, uh, randomly. Oh, no, no, I think I had, I didn't have the game on. And Jordan texted me and said, turn on the Saints game. This guy, Lance Moore, just did the, 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 the pumps. I think part of it uh, is it, that's one of those time and place things, right, Kyle, where they were all, for whatever reason, historically at that moment in the NFL, everybody was getting itchy. There was a little no fun league a little bit too yeah. much. And th- th- they started to, because they were young men and they're just feeling a little rebellious. And I think when they saw it, it just was like, I mean, that looks like fun. And, 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 and they, were, they were also, if you're getting paid well, I mean, how much is the fine really going to put you back? So they were just going to go ahead and do it anyway. And I, I, I did, 
it's funny. East West Bowl and and uh, Three Pumps. We didn't know. We just didn't know. It's, it's an interesting thing about comedy. It's ephemeral. It's very ephemeral and very ethereal, and you don't have a sense of what's going to work. I try to pretend there's a science to it, but there's not really a science. I didn't think substitute teacher. 190 million hits? I know. Timothy. Why? Why that sketch? And the only thing I can come up with is because uh, that sketch has names in it and Ace West Bowl has names in it. The names. But there's no explanation for the three pump. I, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know why. I, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's, uh, but I'm so grateful for it. Having, especially being a maven of that sport as I am. It's so cool. It's, yeah. it's like making I mean, a this classic season? song. Aaron did it this that's five years. That's like four or five years ago. I know. And yeah. dude, I got to tell you, as a guy who lives and breathes the NFL, I think it's going to be done 10 years from now, 15 years from now. I think it's like a classic song. Like where it's, it's don't stop believing. We're going to be seeing that thing for years. For years and years. For years. Yeah. It's really cool, which would yeah. make you like the Steve Perry of uh, Inzone Celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you're kicking ass in this game. We're going to pick up the pace. You're four out of five. We're going to get to the back nine. Question number six. Your category, Keegan-Michael Key, is Capital Punishment. For his final meal, serial killer John Wayne Gacy requested which fast food chain? Now, you use the Ask a Millennial lifeline. Yep. You have no lifelines. It's all you, my friend. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I'm just going to say what comes to mind. I'm just going to say Wendy's. I'm just going to say Wendy's. Just Why would you say, say Wendy's? Wendy's? That's fascinating. Because that cute little girl yep. on the thing, it seems like John Wayne Gacy was so sick that he would have some affinity for, I know it's a, it's a weird dark thing to say, but that's my feeling. That's my feeling. It's too wholesome that he's so dark and evil. Yes. Wendy's is so wholesome that he would wow. want Wendy's. Here's his full order ending with the answer. He ordered a dozen fried shrimp, French fries, a pound of strawberries, and a bucket of KFC original recipe fried chicken. That's not the right answer. KFC. Here, I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, because I, I had I had no idea. And so you know, it's like it's like sometimes you feel bad about the answer. Like I yes. was gonna say, I wasn't gonna say KFC. So okay, KFC would have never gotten that one. That's a Why good question. Why the hell am I asking you about this? Because you understand, and you've talked about the concept of comedy jail, which is uh, com- <laughs> yes. comics get put in jail. So I'm going to the the penitentiary system. Define that for me. What is comedy jail? So comedy jail is when someone does something beyond the pale. Meaning that there's going to be that there's a joke that where we're very often a stand-up comedian, it's usually a stand-up comedian, doesn't take doesn't take the old uh, rule into uh, into account, which is comedy plus time, or tragedy. Sorry, tragedy plus time equals okay. comedy. And sometimes I think if we're looking to be um, uh, noticed or shocking, we 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 omit the second part of the equation. And you just go for a joke, like like you know September twelfth, not the day for airplane jokes. <laughs> September, I'm sorry, September twelfth, two thousand and one, is not the day for those jokes, right? And I and and I learned that firsthand at the Second City. Like we were trying to figure out when the Second City, the Second City is known as you know the Temple of Satire for America, and we were there in Chicago, wrestling and struggling with what do we do. What, how do we address this without, and, and still be respectful? And I think that, so comedy jail is people who violate that equation and then tell something that's really off, off center. Or if the joke is in any way, a joke can be salacious, 
but it can't be harmful. Mm-hmm. It can't be harmful. Mm-hmm. So um, Lenny Bruce would tell jokes with profanity in them, but the, he was using the profanity to make points. I know. You know what I mean? And, that, and yeah. sometimes people are just using profanity just to be filthy. You're allowed to do that. But if you told a joke, if you, if you told a joke that could be harmful or you're actually dehumanizing another people, then you find you could find your humor might find a section of society in the situation we find ourselves in now. Uh-huh. And that's the kind of thing that will put you in comedy jail. There's, yeah. there's well-known inmates in comedy jail. It's kind of like the Birdman and Alcatraz. Right, like there's right. famous inmates. Let me ask you about one. Cause I find the getting paroled from comedy jail fascinating and obviously very difficult. One of the most infamous ones, Michael Richards, yes. Michael Richards, is in his own way a comedy icon. The rest of his life is going to be great. He's Kramer. Just do show up, get checks, be in movies. And he has the night where he just blows a gasket. And I don't believe he's done a stand-up gig since. He, he doesn't do much. Um, can he, everybody loves a comeback. Could he ever make one? You know what, Kyle? He could. I mm-hmm. think almost anybody could. I think that um, um, it, it, it was toxic. Yeah. It was unhealthy what he said, I don't know what the vehicle would be for him to get out of comedy jail mm-hmm. because there, there, there isn't even, there isn't even a rationale or justification for why he did it. I know it, it, it's, it, there's not, there's nothing you can't even really, that's hard enough to even paint yourself into a corner. You can't, I don't know how you paint yourself out of that corner. Um, I don't, I, I am at a loss for what it would be, what mm-hmm. the, I'm at the loss for what it would be for him. I, I I don't know what um, takes Kevin Spacey out of out of actor jail. I, sure. I like there's certain. Big, I don't know what gets you out. I don't mm-hmm. know what gets you out. Um, so yeah, I, I think there. You're right. This is America. Everybody loves yeah. a comeback. But I I don't I don't know what the vehicle is. It's such a good point because it's not like he went for a joke that missed or just it, it just. He just blew a gasket and seemed to reveal his true self. And so it feels yeah. like it, maybe it is a life sentence. I don't it, know. It might be. I mean, because the, the only thing that comes to mind is that you'd have to hit it head on, right? Yeah. You'd have to say, I'm going to do a show for Hulu or Showtime or somebody and start right there. And Can you then, do it in Harlem? And then, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, no. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think I misunderstood you. In regard to stand up, yeah. Never again. Never. I don't think ever again. I think okay. if he made the only way would be as if he made a television show where he addressed what was wrong with him. I see. And and, and found grievances within himself. No. If he could do that, maybe he could ramp back into doing to getting a gig. Maybe. Yeah. Otherwise, but I don't know. The second he steps on a stand-up stage, it's just I mean, it's it's suicide. And yeah, it, it, it's suicide. Suicide. Yeah. yeah. Four out of six, Keegan-Michael Key. You're doing very well. Let's get back on the right track. Question number seven. Your category for question number seven is children's books. In C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, what is the name of the lion? Aslan. 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 And we know you're very good with names. Is he good with lion names when he says Aslan? Is that right? Dude, it's right. You got oh, it. Wow. You had to reach for that one a little bit. I you did. found the file. 
I had to reach back. That was I was like, wait, Kyle, wait, it's a no, hold on. It's in this drawer. <laughs> Holy file not found. Map. File not found. Mailer Damon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Aslan. You found it. Aslan. I'm mm-hmm. asking you, of course, about why the name of a lion, because you grew up and I currently are a Detroit Lions fan. That's right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk some lions. And here's how I want to do it. You mentioned this earlier that you uh, have been the anger translator. Many yes. times yes. for a Barack Obama. It's just, it's one of your classic, classic sketches. Would you mind being a Detroit Lions translator? <laughs> Here's what I mean. I got some sound for you having yeah. to do with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, yeah. And as a guy who grew up in Detroit and knows the, what makes Lions fans live and breathe, just say what they're really thinking. I got okay. three of them for you. Here you go, Keegan-Michael Key. The first one I want to play for you, this is from uh, Lions play-by-play man Dan Miller. And um, this is this season. They finished 5-11. and 11. They're walking yep. off the field after a loss to Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. It's another lost season. They have an interim coach. Who knows what the future is? Here's what Dan Miller has to say, and then if you could translate it. Listen to this. Okay. There's no difference between this franchise and every other That's franchise right. in the NFL. If you make the right decisions and hire the right people and they do the right things, you can get right back on your feet and start winning games. And that starts right here, right now. That's the job. Yeah, that's all you got to do is hire the right people, the right players, the right time, the right thing, all the time. No, that's it. That's all you have to do. And then guess what? It don't start right here, right now. Apparently, it's going to start next season. Lions translator. All right. We got more. Okay. Now I want you to listen to the great Calvin Johnson, Megatron. All right. Oh, this one. This. Okay. Yes. Okay. He's on the Up in Smoke podcast. And here is Megatron talking about his early retirement. Listen to this Detroit Lions translator. May Kobe rest in, rest in power, man. Uh, he had retired. He had announced he was going to retire. And I was like, man, I'm going to be right behind Kobe, dog. I'm up out of here, man. I'm done. And my guys, they didn't believe me. They were just like, you know, shut up, man. But then after I retired, a couple of my guys looked back. They're like, dude, you weren't playing. You were dead ass serious. I was like, mm. I ain't never lied to you. <laughs> I don't even know what to translate. I told you the truth. I had water on my knee. And my legs, damn, hurt. Can't play the game. Put me out there anyway. I'm gone. Lions translator, what do you think about the Detroit Lions making Calvin Johnson pay back a million dollars of uh, bonuses that they owed him? What do you think of that? P-E-T-T-Y. That's all I got to say about that. Come on, y'all. One more. Hold on. Stay here, Lester. Hold on. Last one. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, during his Hall of Fame induction speech, He's in Canton, Ohio. He's got the gold jacket. Could you please translate his comments here into the Lions translator? You know, when, when, when you get drafted, you don't, you don't know where you're going to end up. And um, I can't think of a better place um, for me than, than Detroit. <laughs> I know the right thing to say at the right time. I know how to, Listen, I went to college. I know what to say and when to say it. Congratulations. Oh well God. done. Incredible job. The Detroit Lions translator. How'd that feel, Keegan-Michael Key? It felt pretty good. It yes. felt pretty good. It's. I have so many friends. I have so many friends who work for the organization. It's a great organization. <laughs> it's a great organization. And they got a new start. The Honolulu Blue, baby. Yeah. Listen, 
we're seeing the Browns in the playoffs, the Bills are winning playoffs games, all that stuff that's happened. There's no reason the Detroit Lions could not do it. And there's no reason nope. Keegan-Michael Key could not finish strong right here. You are at five out of seven with three questions left. You have a chance to have a really good score here. It's and this is everybody's favorite category. Mm -hmm. You love this. This is called Finish the Lyric. I'm going to play for you a popular song. I'm sure you've heard it. You're going to hear the lyricist. He's going to be doing his verses or she, and it's going to stop. And right when they stop, finish the lyric. Here we go. Keegan-Michael Key, finish the lyric. They say I got to learn, but nobody's here to teach me. If they can't understand it, how can they reach me? I guess they can't. I guess they won't. I guess they front. That's why I know my life is out of luck, fool. Out of love, fool. <laughs> oh, it's the three words I don't know. Love against us, paradise. It's the three words before, and I don't know them. What were you doing in the gangster's paradise? You've been there. Are you there recently? Have you been there a long time? Uh, you've been there for a while. Living in the gangster's paradise. Uh, long time in the paradise. Just yesterday in the pair. <laughs> oh. I Guys, don't. Play, play him, play him the lyrics. Go on. Been spending most of my life. Most of my life living in the pair. Yup, 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 Spending. You cover all the great comics and the great history of sketch comedy. Coolio does not come up, unfortunately. Does not come up. He did if not come did, up. Why did I pick that song? Because as it pertains to Weird Al Yankovic, you were in a Weird Al yes. Yankovic video. I got to tell you, man, I fucking love Weird Al. I grew up with Weird Al. I was obsessed with UHF. I had the cassette tapes. I loved it. What was that experience like? Give me a Weird Al take. Weird Al, the thing that I think people have to always appreciate about Weird Al Yankovic, he produces, writes, mm -hmm. plays all the instruments, sings, uh, co-directs if doesn't direct the videos. He is a one-stop shop. He's as brilliant as everyone thinks he is with the parody stuff, but he also writes really amazing original music. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, he does everything. His own finances. He represents himself. He does everything. Oh, cool. And it's that that's the thing that I remember. And he's, he is as, as wholesome and energetic as you believe him to be. The wholesome part is true. He's actually a very reserved guy. Like if Al was walking down the street and you stopped him, he'd talk to you for 15 minutes. But but he he he's very approachable, but he's also very uh, reserved and quiet guy. And 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 I think that he just all the energy comes out when he's creating, when he's when he's when he's playing. And and the thing is, he has stayed true to himself for years. I've known I know him quite well actually, and he stayed true to himself for years and years and years. And I just it's the consistency. And, and, the, and the quality of the work has never diminished for 40 years. Yeah. 40 years. It's amazing. He's really amazing, yeah. He, uh, there's, a, there's been an online movement that I think at first was ironic, but is still as genuine. And I'm really passionate about, about Weird Al Yankovic playing the Super Bowl halftime. Oh, my God. How do you amazing. think that would go? Like, it, 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 the Super Bowl halftime must become this thing where they want to satisfy rock and roll and they want to satisfy hip-hop. I feel like he does all of them. If he was to come out and do Amish Paradise and he was going to do like a Sturgeon, all of them, do you think that social media and the world would be like, hell yeah, I'll rock with that? Or be like, would they be like, get off stage? How would that go? I think, I think personally, 
first of all, he would also write a song for the Super Bowl. Yeah, he would right. write an original song that would be like, uh, I believe, like a, mon- a, a, a melange or like a medley of parodies that would have to do, like, like, you know, backfield in motion. He'd find something, <laughs> find some way, right? Yeah. Because he's so, so brilliant that I think people go, come on, Weird Al Yankovic. And then I think what would happen is when they saw it, it would blow their minds. Yeah. Because- Richie, God bless him, our millennial. Yes. All the way to my father-in-law, who's 79 years old, everybody knows and loves Weird Al Yankovic. I think it's a great choice, actually, to go back to the the wholesome factor I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He just happens to be freaking brilliant. Mm -hmm. So you can't can't deny the brilliance. You know? So good. Yeah. I think that would be, I think that would be, I think that would be a really, really, really smart move. I think so too, because you get the actual artist to, uh, to come out and cameo with him, and Coolio does a few bars. Oh my god! Oh, god. Be, it's like a cover band. I really hope it happens. I know it's. I know how that process goes, and they get the hottest artists now, and that's great. Yeah. yeah. But the Weird Al halftime would be a showstopper. It would be a showstopper. <laughs> it would be a showstopper. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Showstoppers, you're five out of eight. I can't lie to you, dude. You, we've gotten a little cold, but we I got, have two I, I, questions yes, I got a little cold. I got a little cold. Two more free throws. Let's finish this thing right. Question nine. Your category is talking like a cool young person. Uh-oh. That's the category. Talking okay. like a cool young person. All right. The Urban Dictionary defines which adjective as, quote, when something is turned up or popping. What word is that? Turned up or popping. Which, which word is defined as when something is turned up or popping? Well, I believe it's actually in the definition, which is weird. And that word would be turnt. Turnt. Yes, Could turnt. you spell turnt for me if you don't mind? T-U-R-N-T. Is or. the answer turnt? And you know what? You're going to kick yourself. It's, v- it's very similar to turnt. The answer is spelled L-I-T. Oh, it's lit. Lit. Oh, my God. It's lit. I am going out with a whimper here. All right. We're going to fix that, though. Um, I think you guys have done this amazing job. And when I say you, I mean, obviously, you and Elle now with your project and you and Jordan for so long. Do you grow old with an audience or do you be like, shit, like, look at those numbers. We got to get those. We got to get something for young people to react to. We can't just bury our head in the sand and talk to our peers. We got to talk to the TikTokers, too. How do you do that? Here's the thing. The, the, uh, I'm actually a classicist. I have to just be honest. I'm a classicist. Okay. So what I have to do is I have to learn, I have to learn how to take classic sketch comedy, comedy, dramatic structure. And all you really have to do is infuse it with the lingo of the day and kind of the, the, uh, I almost said ennui, not the ennui, but the the the, the mood of the day. That, that that that's because. But I but I I'm 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 one of these people. I'm an academic in this way. Sure. I'm a firm believer. There are seven plots. There are not new plots. Okay. There are there are there are subplots that come off that spider off of those seven plots. So there's like forty nine subplots. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's only seven stories. It's kind of like why we like sports. Sports is comfortable to us because it's one story, one objective. Get that ball there or get that ball there or get that puck there. That's it. So I, I think you I think I'm a hybrid because I'm a classicist, but I want kids to understand it. Like if you you take a 21-year-old, if you yeah. take their phone away and you and you make them go to a Renaissance festival. Sure. They're going to enjoy the the juggling act. 
they will enjoy it. They will enjoy it if you it's give a them a chance. It's just a fact. A joke is a joke is a joke. It's how Elle and I got together. We got together the first time we were at work, before we were dating, we were working on a, trying to figure out a project to work on. And she was, Elle's, Elle's Jewish. And so she just has this encyclopedia of Jewish jokes in her mind. Okay. And she would tell me these kind of, these old classic Jewish jokes, old school jokes. And they were destroying me because I'd never heard them because the anatomy of a joke is a joke is a joke. So a kid, I see people on Vine and TikTok tell jokes now that crack me up, but the, but the formula is the same. The formula the same. So I'm a hybrid. I'm a hybrid. Yeah. It's so funny that you guys would get together that way because people not knowing your relationship would be like, well, you're the funny guy. You must have had some jokes for her. Hol- she must have killed she's, it. She's hilarious. So she hilarious. like broke the ice with you with, with Jewish jokes? That was her icebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. She told me a joke. <laughs> and, she's, and, she, and she and she I think I remember her saying, come on, really that one? And I go, no, no. I am from the Midwest. <laughs> I have never heard these jokes. I don't no. know these jokes. Yeah. That's and she, great. and so she just was, just was one after another. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Oh, I'm not, oh, I, I want to remember that one because I just didn't know the jokes. Yeah. Man. You know, what's really sad, dude. And that question, the look on your face and your body language when you answered turnt was the most confident thing I've ever seen. It was like you goosenecked the three-pointer and you're back. <laughs> you were backpedaling down the court. And then just clang and it bounced into the fifth row. I thought it was turnt. turnt. I almost wanted to give it to you. Oh my God. I'm saying it's, and then I should have known better when I said, well, see, here's the thing. Um, The word is in the definition. Turnt. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is turnt. And this is the last question. Last question. Here we go. Last question is always the essay question by where I have found a take of yours or an observation in the Mm -hmm. past and I'm going to give you the floor to sell that take and to explain that explanation. Okay. That, explain that I observation. And I if I agree one. with you, I'll give you the point. If not, you get nothing. Here you go. Okay. All right. You have this great little sidebar take in the history of sketch comedy about a James Bond movie in the James Bond film franchise starring Roger Moore in 1983 that has a really unusual, even indecent sounding name. I'm going to let you say the name, and I'm going to let you have the floor of why this is utterly ridiculous. Take it away. Okay. The name of the film is Octopussy. Yes. And what I still, to this day, almost 40 years later, have to wonder at at, at all times is how did it get past the original censors? I mean, when they pitched the movie, was that the name of the movie? And here's the thing. It is ridiculous because... Uh, 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 it's because that that sign was put out on like marquees in front, like children walking by after seeing a Disney movie. Which, mommy, what's an octopus? Well, dear, we're not going to, uh, you know. But I, I will say this: it's as ridiculous um, as a film being called "The Spy Who Shagged Me." Yes, but it's cultural. That's the thing. To me, Octopussy is the equivalent of "The Spy Who Shagged Me." You can't call that movie that in England. In America, you can say the spy who shagged me, but you can't do that there. And so I don't know what country you're allowed to say octopusy, but it ain't the United States of America. It should be banned. It should just be called octo-woman or <laughs> octo-girl or sexy octopus. Anything. You can't just say, even, even octo-vagina would have been better than, you know, because you would have thought it was a medical film. But at, <laughs> at any rate, that's why it's ridiculous. It's because somebody thought they could get away with something, or they didn't think they'd get away with it, and somehow they got away with it. I don't know who was doing cocaine that day at the marketing meeting, but, <laughs> but they let it through. 
Uh, maybe some of the same people who a decade earlier had a giant movie poster for a movie called Shaft. We'll never know. We'll ne Keegan-Michael yeah. Key, you get the points. Thank you, got you it. Kyle. We give you the point. Thank you. You have finished the 10 questions. We give you a six out of 10. Six out of 10. How do you feel, my man? You were brilliant. You really were. I feel, I got to tell you, Kyle, I feel I did the best I could. The questions, I didn't know the answer. Yes. I, I, I'm only hurting on that one. I'm only hurting on turns because I did not know KFC. I would have not known that. That's not my expertise. That's not my bailiwick, if you will. Yes. But, uh, but um, maybe Elle would have known. I don't know. Elle might have known. But uh uh, I feel okay. Here's my question: yeah. How many? How many? Did, how many did Aaron Rodgers get right? He got six, same as you. Okay, that's all that matters to me. So I'm still yes. beating. I'm still beating Aaron because I beat him on college pick him. Uh, Is that uh, true? On 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 uh, college game day. Oh one my day gosh, I was okay. with the coach yes. and Kirk Kirk Street, and I got nine out of one. Like I <laughs> like it was crazy. Like I picked like Tulsa over San Diego State and <laughs> right. one. You know, and, and I beat Aaron. And that's like my claim to fame. <laughs> so all right. So yeah. You just did just as well as Aaron Rodgers. I'm 1-0-1 oh oh against Aaron Rodgers. That's fine. You take the tie. The last piece of business we have is, and we end every episode with a call out, where yes. every contestant thinks of a, another public figure that they know or look at or admire and challenges them to come on and try to beat their score on 10 questions. So who would you like to call out? It could be anybody you want who would just, you say, I don't think you got my six. I don't I think can... you can get turned like me. Who do you think? Ask <laughs> I, I can ask Elle. I'm asking Elle. Of course. Yeah. What does she think? Any contestant, any any public figure, any public figure at all, right, Kyle? Yeah. Any, anybody you want who you think would be good on this show? Anybody who I think would be good on this show that I think can beat my score. I got six out of 10. Anybody. Anybody. Yeah. We. My wife knows some people. Okay. Like she could literally no, say. We're no longer recording. We're still recording. Oh, yeah. We're, we're recording. We're still recording. <laughs> we're still recording. You can just. She could just mouth it. Like sure, she can. It could, it's it's sports question. It's sports and career entertainment. Yeah. and entertainment. Every question pertained to something Australian. beautiful, Fan oh, okay. fantastic. Great. Did you hear All it? Right. You deliver it right now to camera. Call All her right. out. I am calling out former New York Giant Michael Strahan to come on this show and beat my score. Mm -hmm. If you can beat six out of ten questions, I will bow down to him. Perfect. And we bow down to you, Keegan-Michael Key. You were brilliant. You were funny. You were every single thing I've admired about you from afar. And now I get to do it in person. And I get to listen to the history of sketch comedy. It's available exclusively on Audible. Everybody listening, it's so smart. It's so funny. It's so good. Please go check it out. Keegan-Michael Key, you're the best. Thank you so much, Kyle. This has been a lot of fun, man. And I, I really, I am a big fan of you and what you guys do. I just think you're fantastic, man. Back at you, my man. We will see you the next time on 10 Questions, where someone will try to beat King and Michael Keys 6 out of 10. We will find out next time. Thanks All for right. listening. Thanks for watching. Ten Questions with Kyle Brandt is a co-production by Spotify and The Ringer. The show is produced by Richie Bozek, Jason Gallagher, Noah Malale. Steve Allman, Jackson Safan, and Arjuna Ramgopal. Our theme song is by Matt Schiltz and Bobby Lord. Additional sound design by Bobby Lord.